Welcome to 2024. With the 2024 election on the horizon, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine, and numerous other foreign policy and domestic news stories, it's never been more important to stay informed. The DSR Network has you covered, with experts across all of these stories, to bring you the analysis and commentary of the stories that matter. Later this month, the DSR Network will introduce the TNR Daily, featuring Greg Sargent, formerly of the Washington Post, and a close friend of the show. Don't miss a moment of our coverage. Become a member of the DSR Network today. Members receive exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to attend DSR live events, a members-only Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. For the month of January, receive 50% off your first year of membership. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSR2024 at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSR2024. Thank you for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. It's a really snowy day here in Washington, which is to say there's two inches of snow on the ground. The town has come to a complete halt. It can't handle it, but it doesn't stop us. We are here to give you some of the news and some thoughts about the news. Uh, And by we, I mean me, David Rothkopf, and him, Chris Cottmore, because you are him. Right, Chris? That's right. And (laughs) Riley Fessler. How are you doing, Riley? Uh, Doing well. I'm sad that I'm not him. You are him. Chris and I always say, Riley is him. That, oh, good. Yeah, that only became a thing about you, but you're you're definitely him. Um, okay, Chris, what's the big story of last night? And I know what it is, and it's not a big story, but lead with it because everybody else is. That's something that Donald Trump would say. You know, you're him. He's probably pounding his chest this morning. Um, yeah, if you uh, woke up this morning to the news that Donald Trump had won the Iowa caucuses. Um, You'd, I don't know, feel like I did, which is whoop-de-doo. Um, 88% of the voters in. He won by a substantial margin, 51 to uh, second place finisher, um, Ron DeSantis, in, in a close, uh, or sorry, in a distant third was Nikki Haley, though all eyes turn now to New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley at this point is expected to fare. Better though Trump um, is ahead in all the polls with a margin of between seven and thirteen points, and yes, I realize polls mean little. Uh, we remember Hillary Clinton trailed Barack Obama uh, by thirteen points in New Hampshire and resurrected her um, campaign with a win. Um, but in the end, uh, we are still sticking by our. Uh, bold prediction that Trump is going to be the GOP nominee. I'm not so sure now about Nikki Haley. I reduced the odds um, to 50-50 for her being the VP after she continually goes after him. You reduced, like, what are you, a bookmaker? You're like, yeah, 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 I I, I had 
I'm taking uh, I'm taking side bets on, <laughs> on oh, yeah. Nikki Haley and uh, DSRbet.com. I didn't even know we had that. Um, let me, you know, this is such a bullshit story. Let's just delve into how much bullshit this story is. Okay, how many votes did Donald Trump get at the Iowa caucuses? You know, this big opening volley of American democracy that is huge significance. Do you know how many caucus votes he got? Don't look it up. Just no, say, 150. Uh, he got 56,000 votes. Iowa Iowa Hawkeye Stadium seats 67,000 people, 69,000 people. In other words, you couldn't fill a stadium in Iowa with the number of people who supported Donald Trump. Um, this is not democracy. Most of the people, according to uh, Exit Poll, were old white people. Uh Many were evangelicals. It does not represent America in any way. However, you know, for Trump, there is some not-so-good news. Half the Republican Party, even though he is the heir presumptive to himself, um, didn't vote for him. Um, then there were all the people who goes, you know, Ron DeSantis wins in second place. Do you know how many more votes Ron DeSantis had than Nikki Haley? 2,000. This is just... I mean, this is not anything. And how do I know it's not anything? Because Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses. Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucuses. There is no President Cruz. There is no President Santorum. Donald Trump may end up being the nominee. But the Iowa caucuses are just important because political journalists want to start the clock. They want to make it a campaign year. They want to start the horse race. And so they read significance into something that is truly insignificant, not representative. The number of people who voted at the Iowa caucuses represents 0.017% of the U.S. population. Complete nothing burger. Riley? Well, more attentions uh, between the Koreas uh, as North Korea has declared the abolition of the Committee for the Peaceful Reunification, which is one of the agencies that handles their diplomatic relations with South Korea, uh, such as they are. Um, it follows some ramping up of tensions in recent weeks and months, uh, where Kim Jong-un recently made a statement saying that seeking reconciliation with South Korea was, quote, a mistake. Um, they have... Uh, also escalated after Pyongyang's spy satellite launch led Seoul to partially suspend a military agreement from 2018. And Kim has labeled South Korea as the principal enemy. Uh, and again, emphasizing that reconciliation is no longer possible. So, you know, again, diplomatic relations between the two countries were obviously very lean to begin with, but still not good to see that some of the principal kind of avenues for communication are being eliminated in North Korea. So it seems like there's less likelihood that anything will actually develop between the two countries, but I guess we'll see. Well, I don't know that that's true because a lot of the communication is not direct. A lot of it's via China. A lot of it is, you know, via Russia back channels and, and so forth. And, you know, they ebb and flow. This uh, conflict has been going on just, you know, to keep everybody up to date on this for 70 years. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, expect a major change in it anytime soon is unlikely. 
Um, uh, he just does these things in order to distract people from the fact that their economy is terrible, it's failing, people are starving, the country is isolated. Uh, he's a failure as a leader. Um, if I were Kim Jong-un, I'd start with one thing, and that's Ozempic. I mean, the dude is a little butterball, and uh, you know, it does not uh, help his country to be represented by a guy who looks like that. Uh, yes, he's a dictator too, and that should stop. It won't, um, but he could get Ozempic. He probably is trying to now. Um, he's very sensitive about these things. Um, maybe, maybe if Trump gets reelected, he'll hook him up. Trump's lost a lot of weight, um, and I'm—I gotta believe. I gotta believe there's some modern medical miracle behind that, because um, he wants to, you know, campaign, and he doesn't like being called. Um, you know, out of shape. He thinks he's a great athlete. Uh, Chris? The United States has condemned Iran for their attacks uh, on Iraq. Um, Iran has said that they were attacking a spy headquarters, uh, an Israeli spy headquarters. Um, the United States called the attack a reckless and imprecise, imprecise set of strikes. Um, just gets me thinking, like these guys, world leaders, some some of these people must sit around and say, who can we attack today? Or in this particular case, you know, maybe it was a bunch of drunk soldiers who decided, you know, hey, those Israelis are hanging out in Iraq. We need to, you know, send some ballistic missiles their way in some willy nilly fashion. Unbelievable. I don't, I, I don't think it was willy-nilly. They targeted uh, very specifically the home of um, um, uh, Iraqi Kurdish business leader. Um, and these business leaders are seen as little pockets of power on their own. Uh, I think uh, following uh, some of what happened, such as the uh, um, uh, attack at the Soleimani grave site the other day, uh, they feel a need to uh, strike out. What worries me about this, this is the Iran Revolutionary Guards who are behind this, who are sort of the main manifestation of Iran's animus towards the world, um, is that this strike, which targeted the sky, was very near the U.S. consulate in Erbil. Had this strike hit the U.S. consulate, um, had this strike killed Americans in the U.S. consulate, we would be having a whole different conversation this morning. Um, and uh, we would be talking about a major escalation uh, and a spreading of the conflict in the Middle East. And that's the one of the things you got to worry about. You know, the Houthis, with their missiles, they don't, uh, they don't kill a lot of people. They don't sink a lot of ships. But what if they do one day? You know, what if, what if something, you know, one, one, errant missile actually hits its target uh then 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 this this crisis can accidentally ramp up and you know the biggest the biggest risk of escalation right now is accidental escalation right well guatemala has a new president uh despite some delays in his inauguration as well as opposition really pulling out all the stops ahead of time to try and keep him from the presidency uh bernardo Arevalo. Arevalo uh, was sworn in 
Um, he is a reform-minded professor, and he's also the son of the first democratically elected president of Guatemala. So there's definitely a legacy of kind of democracy in that family. He garnered support from indigenous groups uh, in his campaign, which was one of the ways that he really was able to kind of stun people and win the election. But as I referenced, uh, the opposition has really been pulling out the stops to try and keep him from the presidency. Uh, Guatemala has long been ruled by what analysts call the Pact of the Corrupt and is considered one of the most corrupt countries in Latin America. So we'll see how he's able to uh, put these reforms through. He still faces a lot of opposition in the country's Congress, but definitely a good step. Uh, Hopefully he's able to be successful. You know what's the really interesting part of this story, Riley? That Rick Grinnell, the former director of national intelligence for Donald Trump, went to Guatemala to work with the outgoing group, uh, which he refers to as the conservatives. You may refer to them as whatever, the cabal of the corrupt or whatever, but Rick Grinnell refers to them as conservatives and tried to work with them to do what they tried to do here in the United States, which is overturn the results of the election. Um, I should add, that's not legal. Americans can't go overseas and undermine U.S. foreign policy. Uh, It's also awful, and it gives you a great... I mean, Rick Grinnell will be in another Trump administration if there is one, and uh, it gives you great insight into what uh, Trump would be up to in his foreign policy, which is to say undermining democracy, promoting the corrupt, and trying to keep like-thinking people in power around the world. It's a really gross story. Chris? The World Economic Forum has uh, begun in Davos, Switzerland, um, with uh, many world leaders and CEOs of companies uh, in attendance. Um, I think Davos over the years has grown less influential, in my humble opinion. Um, but one story that struck me about the this, the uh, the gathering, which was PwC Pricewaterhouse conducted a survey of 4,700 CEOs, and of those 4,700 CEOs, 45% said that their business would not be around in 10 years. Uh, and they attributed that to advancements in AI, as well as uh, the impact of environmental uh, concerns on profitability. Um, 45% is a big number. What motherfuckers? Seriously, right? So they're like sitting there doing, you know, Davos goes, yeah, we're here to support the improvement of the world and we love green everything. And then, you know, they put out things like this that say, oh, yeah, by the way, if you have regulations that are designed to preserve the planet, it'll destroy all our businesses and kill your jobs, Um, uh, which is just, you know, the same old, same old, which is they do a little bit of posturing and virtue signaling on these things. But behind the scenes, they're fighting against those regulations. You know, most people don't go to Davos to improve the world. I've been to Davos many, many times. Um, uh, and that mostly they're trying to go to hobnob and to get deals and to network and stuff like that. 
Um, but I once had a conversation with a CEO there, a guy named Eric Schmidt, who was at the time the chairman of Google. Um, and he said, you know, I always get the sense at Davos that something really important must be happening somewhere, but never where I am. And that's the prevailing, <laughs> that's the prevailing sense one gets, you know, that maybe in some back room, someplace, somebody is doing something, but most of it is bad cocktail parties, bad food, boring speeches, freezing your ass off. The Swiss do not um, shovel the streets in Davos because it's a ski town. And so people like to drag little sleds with their children on it through the sidewalks. So inevitably, somebody does a half gainer off of the curb, breaks their wrist. Davos is awful. And if it's losing influence, it's a good thing for the world. Riley? Well, conflict in Myanmar continues to rage between the government and a group called the Three Brotherhood Alliance, as well as other uh, militant groups in the country. Uh, another city has fallen to this alliance, uh, specifically in, in this instance, the Arakan Army, uh, which is a member of that alliance. Um, they claim control of the city of Paletwa and Chen That's State. That's Arakan with, with an A, not an Arakan. I. Yes, so it's, right, this is Arakan. not connecting to some other story. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> the Arakan Army. Uh, and they have... Uh, claim control of the town of Palatwa and Chin State, which is near the border with India and Bangladesh. And it's the 42nd town nationwide to fall for military control. Um, so clearly this conflict is kind of shifting in favor of these groups, uh, despite the fact that I don't think they're any uh, anywhere near fully gaining control. But this was in response to a coup in 2021 where the military took control of the government. So you know, it's coup forces against these militant groups um, that, you know, they call themselves the Myanmar National Democratic Alliance and names such as that. So curious to see uh, how this conflict continues to develop. Um, seems like good progress for those groups, but what it means for the country kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, well, and whether, you know, what these groups ends up doing and what they support is is unclear. Clearly, the junta that's in charge in Myanmar is not a bunch of good guys. They, they suppress democracy. But the democracy um, uh, advocates that we cheered on in Myanmar, such as uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, um, you know, they suppressed the Rohingyas, the Muslim population in Myanmar. And so that wasn't cool. And, the you know, the suppression of the, of the Rohingyas continues. Um, uh, so this is one of those countries that is in turmoil and will continue to be in turmoil, um, for some time to come, it seems to me. Um, uh, anyway, uh, we hope that wherever you are in listening to this, that you're finding a way to stay warm. Be careful if you're out in difficult driving conditions, which exist a large, across a large part of the United States. But if you're in one of those parts of the United States where it's warm and sunny and none of this makes any sense, good for you. That was a smart choice. Uh, also, lastly, we give a shout out um, to all the Emmy winners last night, but notably to the uh, people behind the television show last week tonight with John Oliver uh, that won their eighth straight uh, Emmy, uh, and the writers who won uh, their eighth straight Emmy this time up against SNL, uh, and notably senior writer Joanna Rothkopf, uh, of whom I am proud. 
Um, anyway, we'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, bye-bye.